welcome to Sweet Spot, where hoteliers check in and we check out what's trending in hotel marketing. I'm your host, Ryan Embry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Sweet Spot. This is your host, Ryan Embry. We have a, a very special guest going to be joining me today. And we are pleased to, to welcome Kirk Pedersen, president of Sightline Hospitality, onto The Sweet Spot. He's a 30-year veteran in the industry, which has a wealth of knowledge and resume full of hospitality experience and operations, food and beverage development, acquisitions. Kirk's diverse background, both the public and private sectors, resulted in the direct oversight of over $5 billion of independent and branded hotels and resorts. We're very fortunate to have him today on The Sweet Spot to share some insights with us. So without further ado, let me welcome you, Kirk, to The Sweet Spot. Thanks, Ryan. Um, man, you, you make me sound old. <laughs> I don't I don't like hearing about all that experience, uh, you know, when people mention it because now I just feel like I'm getting older. No, not you bring all that all that wisdom and experience. We we love to see it, you know, especially in an industry where a lot of people's stories start off in operations. You know, we've we've talked to a lot yeah. of hoteliers that start off at the front desk or have their first job at a hotel and they work their way up. So it's super exciting. With that in mind, as we do with all of our new guests, we love to learn kind of your hospitality and and hotel background and story. So what what yeah. was kind of the journey that led you to Sightline Hospitality? As I mentioned, it's a long journey, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones. I think I knew very early on that I wanted to be in the hotel business. I was staying at the Hyatt Regency in Waikiki when I was 10 years old and really saw the, the hotel operations uh, from the general manager's perspective. And, you know, that day I said to my dad, I want that job. Like, that's what I want to do for a living. I, I want to wear khakis and an Aloha shirt and be the general manager of a five-star resort in Hawaii. And, you know, I didn't really think much about uh, that until I found myself getting jobs in high school. Uh, you know, I worked in country clubs um, and restaurants and really kind of fell in love with, uh, you know, just, just the, the entire hospitality industry. Uh, I thought for a while I was going to be a chef. I still love to cook. Um, I, you know, again, followed that dream of being uh, that hotel general manager, went to hotel school at UNLV and got out of, uh, you know, college and decided I wanted to go into a management training program. And so I did that and I was on my way, man, to being, you know, my first general manager job in Key Largo, Florida. I got a call from our HR department and they said, uh, hey, there's this job in, uh, in development and they're looking for somebody who has a finance background and a hotel background. And I, I you know, minored in finance in school as well and always liked that. And I said, nope, I'm, I'm going to be a general manager. I'm going to wear that Aloha shirt <laughs> and I am on my way. And I took the interview, you know, just to take the interview. And, uh, you know, long story short, I, I started on the development and acquisition side of the business and didn't go back to operations for a long time. I kind of worked my way, you know, from grunt uh, all the way up to, you know, VP of, of acquisitions and development and, you know, did that, you know, different group. You know, I worked with the old American General Hospitality guys, the Maristar guys, uh, the interstate team. And, you know, then I actually spent some time at Hotel Brokerage, did some residential development deals 
in uh, suburban Chicago, and uh, then you know kind of got called back to the REIT world uh, in asset management. I kind of I've, I've done quite a bit in the hotel business, you know, from from operations to acquisitions to asset management. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to be able to go and work for Morgan Stanley uh, Real Estate Funds and spearhead their West Coast asset management and acquisitions business and, and really learned a lot, you know, working for a large institution like Morgan Stanley. But at the end of the day, it's kind of all the, it's all the same, right? It's all hospitality. I, I ended up meeting the Charters Lodging Group guys through a relationship formed at, at Morgan Stanley and really just liked the people, right? And, and loved working with them on, on a project that we were working with them on. And Ultimately, they convinced me uh, to come over to the operating partner side of the business, uh, and so I ran uh, acquisitions and asset management for the Charters Lodging Group here in San Francisco, and recently, over the last two years, have, have taken over uh, the management side of their business, which formerly was Kakua Hospitality, and uh, we merged Kakua with Filament Hospitality to uh, create Sightline, and uh, and that's that's where we are today. We're, we're you know, growing a third-party, independent, experiential-driven, and I know we're going to talk a lot about that today on the on the podcast, but really experiential-driven management company, um, and we're having a blast doing it. and uh, And so now I'm in a, I'm in a different spot, and I'm kind of taking all of the knowledge from uh, all these other, uh, you know, experiences and really applying them to uh, being the best operators we can be in a in a specific segment. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You guys, you, your journey uh, has probably so many different stops with so many different key takeaways from each stop uh, that it, it probably makes your experience very unique. And and what you guys and we're going to prop, we're going to talk about this a little bit later about what Sightline Hospitality brings uh, that's unique from from maybe some other management groups. But really, what I love about these backgrounds and these stories is it's it's all rooted. And the passion of the industry, right? You were yeah. your story about being there and seeing that GM. You know, we we hear that a lot. It's it's a very unique industry where you can be on, you can start on one side of it, you know, being a guest at a hotel, and uh, but then you can have that dream and that goal to be on the other side. So, a very very cool uh, journey that you've taken. A lot of experience, and with that experience here, you know, you've worked with a lot of both independent and branded hotels, had a lot of success with them both. Now, we have a lot mm-hmm. of hotel listeners to this podcast that manage both, and they will tell you, uh, you know, I go the independent route because of this, or I go the branded way because of this. Uh, with your experience in both, what advantages do you think moving forward into the 2020s um, each, of, each of them have? Yeah, that's a, a question that comes up a lot, right? And there is no... Uh, right answer for uh, the industry. I think you know every every hotel is different. Every market is different, and oftentimes we want to be able to uh, you know categorize something one way or another, and it, it's it's really not possible uh, because you you need to focus on you know a specific micro market and who the consumer is that's going into that market and then make a decision as to whether or not you're better suited to be a branded hotel uh, or an independent hotel. You guys are probably familiar with Calibri Labs and and what they do. 
And I, I love what they do because I, I think one area that they've they've focused on specifically has been the the cost of acquiring the guest, mm-hmm. right? And there's this there's this this cost of acquisition we call it, right? And there's this pendulum that swings from independent, right, to branded, back to independent, you know, back to branded. And right. yes, it it can be you know market specific, but Listen, independent hotels are awesome because you can do what you want to do, right? You, you yeah. don't have a brand telling you what you have to do. Uh, and and I, I think the brands are, are, are getting a lot better at, the, you know, swinging to that side of the pendulum, too, with all the, the soft branded stuff, uh, you know, that they've been releasing. But I think independent hotels, if you've got a strong market and you've got a good product, you can survive. And your flow through is going to be better. You have to be able uh, to convince yourself that you can acquire that consumer uh, at the lowest price possible, which is directly, you know, through your website or you know, directly through phone call. And that requires you to do a lot of things online, which we're going to talk about later. But I think there, there's a real there's a real place for independent hotels in a lot of different markets uh, where you can get the same rate. Same cost of acquisition, but less cost, uh, you know, through the brand uh, that makes an independent uh, execution really, really profitable. On the other hand, in a softer market, in a downturn, in the in the general market, I you know like the fact of being affiliated with or associated with a brand. Um, you know, it's providing a more stable demand base. They've negotiated much lower, you know, fees with the OTAs. You, you know, have essentially qualified, right, to be affiliated with that brand. So there's a stamp of approval that's been put on your product that a lot of consumers like. Uh, so there's there's positives and, and negatives to both. You know, we work with certain owners that only want to do independent hotels. We work with own, other owners that really are agnostic, right? They They want to do the right thing for the market. I think it really depends. We focus as a third-party independent manager on doing what the owner wants to do, right? I'm working on a project now where an owner is convinced that the project should be independent, independent, independent. And I keep on putting examples of soft-branded hotels in front of that owner because I think there's an opportunity to do something different. At the end of the day, we're going to do what the owner wants to do. But our, you know, obligation uh, to the owner is to give them our, you know, best opinion and then let them take it from there. And either way, we're going to manage it to the best of our ability. But that's, that's you know, makes us a little bit different. Is we, we like both independent and branded hotels. It just depends on the market and the asset, the quality, and, you know, a number of different factors. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it'll be interesting to see there's been uh, movement by the brands with these soft brands to kind of move towards more of an independent feel. And then some independent hotels are trying to get into things like loyalty programs as well. I feel like we're going to see that kind of move closer and closer together. But at the end of the day, it's about getting those guests through your doors and telling your story through experiential travel or guests seeking mm-hmm. out adventures. Uh, now, you've been quoted on saying that experiential travel is more than a trend, but a necessity. Um, can you kind of speak to that in your own words and, and share with our listeners what experiential travel is to you? 
it's a it's a big topic. Uh, everybody wants to be focused on experiential travel. And you know, first I, I think we take a step back and we we think about the different kinds of travelers, you know, that that there are in the world today, right? There's there are these travelers that are seeking out experiences. You've also got travelers that are really just seeking the best rate, and they really could care less about the experience. So let's let's not focus on the traveler that is just looking for the best rate, but focus on the traveler that's looking for a well-rounded, uh, you know, kind of trip that includes some kind of experience. When I say that it's a necessity, I say that in, in a way that it's meant to say that if you don't focus on it and you don't make it a priority within your operation, you're going to be left behind, right? So as an operator, if we're not doing something to enhance the guest's experience when they stay with us, you know, we're, we're going to be left behind, right? Then you're just a room in a box and, um, you know, you're, you're a transaction. We don't want our traveler to be a transaction. We feel that today's traveler doesn't want to be a transaction, right? And so to like kind of narrow it down uh, to to kind of one one thing, it comes down to in our mind, uh, you know, establishing an emotional connection. An experience can be physical, right? An experience can be emotional. You know, there there are different kinds of experiences and likes and needs for every consumer that, that you that you deal with or, or are trying to attract. If you don't know who your consumer is, you're you're looking at your business the wrong way. Because there's a there's a certain consumer for every product. The younger traveler, you know, I still like to put myself in that category, but um, <laughs> the younger the younger traveler I think is looking for more than just a room and a receipt, right? The the traveler today is looking for a, an emotional connection, and they want to feel good about the purchase that they've made. And you know you can make them feel that way in a number of different ways, but that that's experiential travel, right? It's not like we've just looked at it before, like going on safari. Well, going on safari is very experiential, right? Or you know I, I went to Nicaragua this year and went to a surf camp, uh, and that was very experiential, but that's, you know, that's one kind of experience. Uh, there, there are many different other kinds of experiences that, that can make up experiential travel, but in my mind, it all comes down to creating an emotional connection with the consumer. I completely agree, and that connection is something that we look for even from big resorts out there or just a, a hotel that they're just going on a little family vacation. and, and Having a, a way to connect with your guests is going to leave that impression in your mind that when they walk out of your doors, that they had that type of experience uh, that you wanted yeah. that you wanted them to have. So um, I know you shared some examples personally, but what about any examples you can share of experiential travel implemented in the properties that you've worked with in the past or you're currently working with? Man, I, I, I'm again really fortunate. I've, I've had the opportunity to work with, um, you know, some of the coolest hotels on the planet. Uh, you know, from the Grand Wailea, uh, you know, in Maui, to independent, uh, the, like the Maison de Ville in New Orleans and the French Quarter. You know, to other big uh, resorts, La Quinta and PGA West, and you know, the JW and Ritz Carlton Grand Lakes in Orlando and Disney hotels and 
that really, really had the opportunity to work with some, some cool, cool stuff. But I think a lot of those properties have a built-in experience just because of the location they're in. You know, you're, you're going to Hawaii because, you know, you want to go to the warm weather and you want to be in the Hawaiian Islands and you like the culture. And right. you know, we, we try to connect, we try to connect our people with a little bit more than just the, the culture. And right, so if you talk about Hawaii, right, there's, you know, everybody wants to go to a luau. Everybody wants to, you know, get a lay. Everybody wants to, uh, you know, experience the beach and, and, and the pools there. But there's, there's more to it than that, right? In our mind, there is a local community that in every location we operate is, is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And our goal, right, in these properties is to connect our guests to the extent that we can to connect them more with the local community to establish uh, that emotional connection, right? And so I'll, I'll give you an example in, in Hawaii at, at the Queen Kapiolani Hotel, independent hotel, uh, sits right off the beach in Waikiki. You know, the views in the hotel are of Diamond Head. Everybody loves Diamond Head at Waikiki. Well, instead of just saying, hey, guys, go to, go to Diamond Head. It's a really cool thing to do when you come to Waikiki. We sponsor a uh, a neighborhood weekly run that we invite people from the community, from the you know local neighborhood, from the other hotels to go on this weekly run around Diamond Head, and our guests go with them. And so now you've got locals connecting with guests, talking to them about cool things to do while they're in town, and it means more than just going and doing it on your own or, or going and paying for a guided you know, tour. It's it's immersing someone in the local community and making them feel like they're part of something that's bigger than just the four walls of their hotel. In Jackson Hole, Wyoming, it's one of the most gorgeous places on the planet. And, you know, outside of having this cool little town, right, you've got people that live there that are very, very passionate about, you know, the outdoors and the wildlife there and you know, there's there's multiple seasons in, in, in Jackson Hole and, and different things to experience. But you know, seeing the Grand Tetons as you you know as you fly into Jackson Hole, it's breathtaking. Yeah. But to go in a horse-drawn sleigh at the base of the Teton through an elk refuge and like see these these elk that have come out of the Tetons in the wintertime to go down into the into the refuge so that they can get food. And you know, survive the winter. Literally being on a sleigh with them right around you—it's the most unbelievable experience you'll have. It's really, really cool. That's the kind of stuff that we want to put at the fingertips of our guests. If they want to experience it, they can. If they don't want to experience it, and their idea of experience is something different, yeah, that's okay too. You know, we stoke the local fire and, and do wood burning exercises in the lobby on a weekly basis. We spike, you know, your coffee upon check-in with a bar that's literally right behind the check-in desk. Just little things like that that make somebody walk away from that stay and say, well, that was more than just a stay in a motel in Jackson Hole. Right. That that was a real experience. Uh, we just opened up a, uh, I, I call it youth hostel because I always feel that only youth stay in a hostel, but it's not a youth <laughs> hostel. It's a glamorized hostel in the basement of the same hotel, which is turned into like this 
gathering place for people who are, you know, really into, you know, wintertime skiing and snowboarding and snowshoeing and snowmobiling and everything else that they want to do in town, but they want to hang out with other people who have the same likes and interests. Well, they, they just want a bed and a great shower and really cool area to hang out and eat and talk about your, you know, explorations from the day. Um, that, you know, we're, we're providing to those people. So there, I could go on and on about these different experiences, but it's about making that emotional connection with the guests. No, it's it's great. I mean, to, to be honest with you, Kirk, it literally sounds like a, the way you describe, you know, some of these scenes is is a commercial. And the cool part about this is if you expose enough guests to this and they're going on social media, on Instagram and sharing these moments, it's almost like you're running a constant commercial for your hotel and bringing more of these experiences in. But it's it's those unique connections that you're talking about that really take it to the next level. Another player in the industry that I feel that has really taken advantage of it, uh, experiential travel, is Airbnb, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where do you see hotels having the advantage for guest-seeking adventures over a place like Airbnb, and how can hotels really take it to the next level? Yeah, that's a that's a, another great topic that's been debated quite a bit. Um, and you know, a lot of us in the hotel business say, "Oh, Airbnb, I, you know, I, I don't like Airbnb. I'm afraid of Airbnb." I think Airbnb is awesome for what they do, and yeah. there's a there's a real place for that. You look at like Airbnb and Sonder and you know some of these other companies that have that have really used a technology platform to, you know, make different kinds of, you know, stays in, in different markets accessible to, you know, people who aren't looking for the service and stuff provided in the hotel. They'd rather just do it on their own. Hmm. Uh, and that, that's great. There's there's a lot of travelers out there that, that want to do that. Uh, you know, I do that um, on certain, uh, you know, trips where, you know, I'm with family or friends and we already know the location and we just want to do it on our own. I think uh, the the challenges that some of those platforms, uh, you know, have dealt with in the past and will continue to deal with is consistency, right? I've stayed in Airbnb where the host in that location is so awesome, right? That like before you show up, I mean, they're they're going above and beyond and putting charcuterie boards in your, uh, you know, in your room and putting a birthday cake because they found out ahead of time it was your wife's birthday before you showed up. And oh, wow. like that's a real host, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the kind of person I want to hire to work for us in the hotel. Um, you, you have that experience, but then you also have, you know, some not so great experiences where you check in and it doesn't feel real clean. Right. And, you know, the linens are, are older uh, and you don't feel like, you know, they've been washed or, or, or up to, you know, the standard that you were expecting. Uh, so that, that's the hard part uh, about those platforms. Uh, and so I think hotels, the advantage that they have is, um, you know, the advantage of consistency and being able to control that consistency. Um, I, I do think, you know, a lot of the technological, uh, you know, platforms and advantages of those platforms you're going to see integrated into more hotel experiences. Um, and that's, really a function of trying to reduce operating costs, uh, you know, that continue to rise faster than than revenues do. Um, but I, I think that's the real difference. I, I think there's always going to be a place, you know, for an Airbnb and a Sonder and, you know, these other platforms that are, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, create experiences for guests in a different way. Uh, but hotels have the ability to be consistent. 
whether you're independent or branded. Um, you know, and, and you can provide all those other amenities that, yeah, people tend to like when they're on vacation, like, you know, being able to walk out of your room and go, you know, grab a drink at, at a cool bar with, you know, other people and experience the music and, you know, do it in a way that, uh, you know, is, is done for you uh, as opposed to having to do it on your own. Agreed. And Airbnb has really pushed the industry and really has disrupted it enough to where we'll talk to hoteliers that maybe five or 10 years ago in their hotel, they weren't doing some of the things that they're doing today. They're having their their staff learn more about the local area because they know that travelers are looking for these type of experiences like we talked about. They're constantly sharing them. So if you can leverage in the right way, you, you've got a great commercial for, for your property. I, I've also heard you use that phrase, Instagrammable moments. We, we know travelers are on social media throughout their entire journey. How do you think hotels can best engage and interact using social media? Social media is, uh, in my mind, uh, just another you know extension of that emotional connection. When you post something, you're, you're affiliating yourself with something else, right? You're branding yourself. And uh, you always, you know, or most people want to brand themselves with something cool, right, or something to make them look good. Um, yeah. So social media is a, is a means of, of doing that. And, you know, as, as I look at, you know, these, these great places that, you know, we operate hotels in, right, there's ways for our travelers uh, to affiliate themselves or soft brand themselves uh, to being affiliated with these different locations. And it's a way of them, uh, you know, kind of expressing <clears throat> who they are as an individual, right? Some individuals want to be uh, showing these Instagrammable moments on the beach. Others wouldn't be caught dead, right, uh, taking a picture of themselves on the beach. So it's different for every person, but it's what they resonate with. And so I, I think understanding your consumer and providing them these unique opportunities to easily right, associate themselves with something that is, uh, you know, part of the emotional connection they're making with your location is just going to become more important, uh, you know, as, as time goes on here. Um, it's not about, in, in my mind, it's not about creating that, uh, you know, that, that stage, you know, where you go and you put your face in uh, the, the mural, right, that makes you look like you're different. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yep. like you see at a carnival or something. It's not right. like that. It's not, it's not creating those stages. It's, it's creating a real feeling, you know, a real sense of involvement or engagement in an activity or a location that somebody is going to want to take a picture of and, and put online. We're doing this really cool project up in uh, Calistoga right now where we're creating a communal bathing uh, environment in a well-established um, you know, brand name that's, that's known for their mud baths. Okay. And, you know, we're, we're kind of opening this up to, it's not just about going and sitting in a, you know, in a room that's in a sterile room with, you know, a, a, a you know, <laughs> a tub filled with mud. Right. <laughs> it's about, it's about doing that with your friends, about doing that with your spouse, connecting with others, getting a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but doing something so fun and unique that you can now associate yourself with 
that is going to cause people to want to take a picture of that and say, hey, this was a really cool experience. You need to come do this. Uh, you know, part of this experience, everybody's going to wear pink, you know, robes around the property. Well, you know, you get a bunch of guys wearing pink robes and what do you get? That's an Instagrammable moment, right? Um, yeah, because yeah. It's, it's, it's all part of the experience and what makes it fun and makes you want to be alive and go do these things. Yeah. Uh, so if we can connect with people emotionally like that, provide opportunities for them to share their story, you know, we want them sharing their story about doing stuff with us, right? It's, it's really important. And, you know, we're going to continue to be focused on it. It's not just Instagram, right? There's a number of other, uh, you know, social media platforms that are, you know, emerging. I don't know if you guys focus on TikTok or, you know, any, any of these yeah. other kind of cool, cool platforms. Um, Pinterest I think is we're huge gonna, too. Yeah, Pinterest is huge. We're going to, we're going to see more and more of that. Um, so again, it doesn't really change what we're doing. If we're providing that emotional connection, I think it's going to provide Instagrammable moments because people are going to you know, feel good about it. But when you're designing a hotel or you're concepting, uh, you know, the guest experience, if you're not thinking about how they're going to feel and how they're going to make an emotional connection and then how they're going to photograph it and how they're going to put it online and how they're going to talk about you, I think you're making a mistake. You've got to be focused on that. Agreed. Agreed. And and what travelers are looking for now is authenticity. Uh, mm -hmm. Social media, we're at a point where social media is now, you know, uh, sites like Facebook, it's more than a decade old. And okay. these people that have been using this platform, they understand what an advertisement looks like. They understand what a business page okay. looks like. So when they mm -hmm. see a post of your, you know, beautiful property on your Facebook, that might resonate with them, yes. But if all of a sudden they see an experience by someone that they follow or someone that they trust and it looks authentic and real, that's where you really see the movement there of a call to action um, for somebody to say, I want to experience that. I want to do that same thing. Yes, it's exactly right. I, I just – I just I, I spent uh, the holidays down in Tulum, you know, Mexico, with my wife and uh, a, a bunch of friends, and th there was always this image of Tulum that I had in the back of my head, right? And 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 you know, you you think about why people go there, and I had an image in my head of what what it was, mm -hmm. and I had put myself in that location. I had already decided in my head that this was for me. Right, this was cool. I was going to go kite surfing, and I was going to do this, and I was going to do that, and it was going to be, you know, bohemian chic, and I was going to feel really cool about myself because I went and I had that experience. Yep. My whole like vacation was already planned out in my head months and months in advance because of what others had shown me through their experiences in that location. And it caused me to go and spend the money I spent to go. Uh, and by the way, I loved it. It was it was fantastic. But it was because of what I saw and what I heard. And you know that that's just you know it's, it's just enhanced by how people are portraying that on social media. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's what travelers are looking for. You know, they're not looking for an ad anymore. They're looking they're looking to plan out and get that, you know, that feel just like a, a hotel's reputation gives them that feel, right? Sites like uh Google that have all these reviews, TripAdvisor, you know, and that's where at Travel Media Group we we specialize and we partner with hotels to kind of help them optimize both their social media presence, but we know how that goes hand in hand with online reputation. I'd love to know kind of your uh, what what is Sightline Hospitality's approach to really managing not only social media side but also that reputation side as well? Yeah, I mean it's it's not enough anymore just to respond to TripAdvisor reviews, right? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you 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 know there's there's uh, you know Google Analytics that you got to be all over. There's it it it's it's amazing how this has changed over the last ten years, right? Your your reputation management is uh, is extremely important. And it's a full-time job. Uh, I'll tell you, we have used third parties, um, you know, like like your group to help with that in certain hotels. Uh, we have in-house teams, uh, you know, in within the corporate office that we've used uh, to do that for our hotels. And in larger hotels, you've got teams uh, within the hotels themselves that are are focused on that. If you don't know what people are saying about you online. I don't care what medium it is, uh, shame on you. I mean, you, you better know what they're saying um, because the consumer that's booking you knows exactly what they're saying. Yep. Um, and listen, not everybody is perfect. And not every response to a comment is perfect either. <laughs> right. <laughs> there, as you know, there, there's, there's kind of an art form to it. And um, you know, listen, we, in the early days, we would just have our general managers respond to things. Um, general managers tend to take things uh, more personally than they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, general managers and I've seen our general managers included literally get into, uh, you know, arguments with consumers back and forth on these platforms. And they're not, you know, they, they don't understand, uh, you know, kind of how that makes them look uh, because right. they get caught up in it. You're going to lose that battle every time. <laughs> Hey man, we're in the we're in the hospitality business. The consumer is always right. Exactly. If you screw up, you screw up. Apologize for it and move on. Yeah. Um, and and that's really you know the direction to our people. But in, in terms of how we do it, uh, you know it's different for for each hotel, right? You, the, the bigger hotels can afford to do more of it. Uh, the smaller hotels, uh, you know, it's harder to afford a third party. So you try to take more of that in house and you know have an individual work on you know, a portfolio of hotels to manage that process. So it's done different for every hotel, but it's a it's a key component to, you know, your operation strategy and, and running any hotel today. It doesn't matter whether you're a courtyard or a, you know, an independent 500-room resort. You better be focused on what the consumer is saying about you. And, and we always liken it to almost the landscaping was something that, you know, maybe you thought, Hey, I, I can go ahead and, and handle some of this. Maybe I can just have somebody come out here, uh, handle my landscaping like once a month or something like that. And you, you hired somebody and that didn't, that didn't sound weird to say, Hey, I'm not an expert in landscaping. I need to, I need to reach out and, and have somebody help me, you know? So now we kind of look at our, our online presence or digital presence as that's, that's your digital landscaping, right? So if you're not responding, if you're not, if you're not, if you're letting those 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 bad reviews, which are weeds, just 
continue to grow and look like that, people are going to see that before they even take a step into your lobby. And it's exactly what you said, Kirk. They, they know, they know your business. If you, if you're not aware of what's going on and what's being said out there, your traveler, they are aware and they're going to know your business a little bit better than you. So. Now, one of the things that you're and that I really loved kind of in doing some research for this interview with you, Kirk, was Sightline Hospitality's culture of welcome. Um, can you describe yeah. a little bit more in depth what that means and what maybe how that distinguishes you from other management groups? I'm really excited about culture of welcome. We literally rolled it out, uh, you know, to our teams uh, at the uh, kind of third, fourth quarter of last year. Uh, you know, after we announced the merger, and uh, I'll tell you where, where this came from. And uh, I'm I'm pretty open book about this. There are some great companies in our business that are known for their culture, and it means something different to to each of them. Um, but there there there's somewhat of a void out there today in the consolidation of these different management groups uh, for a group that really pushes culture like some of these groups used to push culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, through this consolidation, you know, these companies get bigger and bigger and, you know, it's really hard to, to maintain a culture and to really manage a culture. It takes time and effort. It's not something that just happens overnight. Uh, but it's got to start with the top. And, uh, you know, we decided very early on that, you know, we were going to make a commitment to this and it's going to evolve over time. But in, we, we call it the culture of welcome for a few different reasons. Uh, when I think about the hotel business, um, you know, we in all the different locations that we operate in, you know, we're, we're welcoming travelers from all over the globe, all different nationalities and likes and, and dislikes, and it's not our role to determine who we accept or, or we don't accept. Uh, we, we accept everyone, right, and we welcome everyone. And it doesn't stop with welcoming our guests. It, it really trickles all the way down into the different departments within the hotel and how we welcome each other in every hotel that we manage. And so we, we went on this road show at the end of the year last year. Um, you know, Phil Tofano, who is our chief operating officer, and I, we went into every hotel that we manage. And we, we got to know each other really well on this road show. <laughs> Phil and I. <laughs> I um, yeah. we, we, we went into every hotel that we manage. And we, we listened. And we wanted to understand what was important to our employees about who they worked for and about how they served the guest. And it was fascinating to hear about what was important to them. And what was most important to them was how good of a time they were giving to the guest that was showing up in the hotel. Mm -hmm. And what was you know, kind of secondary uh, in importance was how they felt working in the hotel with others that are working in the hotel. And, you know, when you, Again, take a step back and you think about it. It's staring us right in the face, right? I mean, when you work in a hotel, you tend to spend more hours in that hotel than you spend with your own family and in your own home. And your hotel family becomes kind of your extended or your second family. And so we, we 
you know, we've taken all that feedback from our employees and now we're rolling out different programs, uh, you know, to all of our hotels that support a culture of welcome. And that's, you know, welcoming everyone into your hotel, whether it be fellow associates or guests traveling from all over the world. But it's different, unique things that we're doing as a manager that's different from other managers to make sure our guests know that they're welcome in the place that they've chosen to stay, and, and that's with us. And if you come to work with us, you feel welcome in your place of work. And if that you know feeling of welcome is threatened or jeopardized, uh, it's really you know the responsibility of our, our our senior or executive team in that hotel and our corporate resources and, and people and culture and, and human resources to make sure that we are supporting a culture where everyone feels welcome. If I could get every owner of every hotel just to put a really cool welcome mat that sits at the front of our hotel like you see in people's homes, yeah, <laughs> I'd be win I'd be winning, right? You know, they don't all want to pay for it, but <laughs> you know, we 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 on on this trip around the country, you know, we talk about, you know, managing a hotel is no different than inviting your family or your friends to your house. And, you know, before your friends arrive or your family arrives, you know, you you clean your house, you, you know, wash the sheets, you make the beds, you go to the grocery store and stock the fridge with things that you know that they're going to like. Uh, you do all those things and it's different than your day-to-day -day life. You're preparing your home for the arrival of your guests. We do the exact same thing in hotels. And we should go out of our way every day to be welcoming people into our hotels just like we welcome them into our home. And that, that's culture of welcome uh, to us. So more, more to come on that. It's, it's an idea that is being supported from me at the top. And hopefully we will be known, you know, 15, 20 years from now, people will say, hey, that group sightline really has a cool, you know, uh, operating, you know, culture and that culture of welcome that they've got in their hotels. That's the goal. I love that. I love that concept. And, you know, it's it's very rare to talk to a company that, that really does do that that top-down approach because, again, at the end of the day, your employees are, are servicing your guests, but at, they're, they're going to be on the other side of that desk at, at one day or another, and they're probably hoping that that employee that they're talking to when they're checking into the, that hotel, you know, is giving them the type of service that they would give to one of your guests. So very, very cool culture there, uh, Kirk. And it sounds, you know, from, from all the, all the, um, you know, properties that you talked about, you got some really, really exciting, uh, innovative properties and ideas. So last thing we just like to ask just one little piece of maybe advice or, or nugget that you would give to any of our hotel listeners out there before we wrap up, just maybe one piece of advice. I'm going to steal something uh, uh, that uh, I, I kept hearing from uh, Phil Tofano our chief operating officer as we were going across the country. So uh, disclaimer there, I'm stealing this from Phil. <laughs> um, but but I, I think it, it really tells uh, a, a good story. And that is when you go into Nordstrom, you know, you look around the store and you end up buying what you buy and you, you leave that store, all right, with, with, you know, a bag of goods uh, and a receipt. And when you go to a hotel, and you check out of the hotel, you check out with a receipt. The other thing you check out with is a memory. And we are in the business 
of creating memories. That's what we do. You don't go to the hotel for a receipt. You go to the hotel and you leave the hotel with a memory. So if we can think about that and focus on you know, creating memorable experiences for our guests, I think the business is going to keep coming back to us. Right? We're, we're going to win that, that game of, uh, of attracting guests. Uh, so you know, think about creating memories because that, that's really what we're doing for people. Love it. Perfect. Well, thank you, Kirk, for being on the sweet spot. All to all of our hotel listeners, remember, uh, you know, create those memories for your guests because that's what's going to keep them coming back. So, Kirk, I want to thank you again for joining me today and for all your insights. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. All right. And we will talk to you next time on the sweet spot. To join our loyalty program, be sure to subscribe and give us a five star rating on iTunes. Sweet Spot is produced by Travel Media Group. Our editor is Ann Sandoval with cover art by Barry Gordon. I'm your host, Ryan Embry, and we hope you enjoyed your stay.